Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Not really good. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? Hope everyone's enjoying themselves, enjoying the presence of the Lord. I love that verse, for He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Well, happy Sunday. We have been talking about light and darkness. And uh, I have Mitch up here with me today. Everyone say hi, Mitch. Hey, yo. We're going to introduce him a little more fully later. (laughs) So we've been talking about this uh, light and darkness. No, we've been doing salt and light. You think I know what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're talking about the kingdom of light. But, you know, there's been this clash between light and darkness since really the beginning of creation when God said, let there be light, and he started penetrating and piercing the darkness with the light. And I want to read another verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 because I think it sets this up really nicely for today in verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Then it goes on, okay? But before it goes on, you know, darkness and night... I don't know what it is. I'm the one, my wife wakes up in the morning and she opens all the blinds. She likes light. I wake up in the morning, I shut all the blinds. (laughs) I need a couple cups of tea before I like like the bright lights. And uh, anyway, but but I really do belong to the light, his light. Um, But it goes on, it says, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us, Christ died for us, so whether we're dead or alive when He returns, we can live with Him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing." I have a few notes as we introduce this war in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Number one, light doesn't fear darkness. It dispels it. And darkness is simply an absence of light. Right? Darkness is when there's no light. And then when we're letting our light dispel the darkness, there's no absence of light. But when you don't let your light dispel the darkness, there's an absence of light. So when people say, oh, look how dark it is out there, you know what that tells me? There's a lot of people with light under a bushel. A lot of fear happening, right? Because when we let our light shine, it dispels, it pushes back the darkness. All the darkness in the world can't put out the light. But one light will put out all the darkness. One more verse for me. And then I'll come back to this at the very end. John 3, 19 and 21 to 21. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came in the world, we know Jesus. But people love the darkness more than light. They love their life as sin more than they love Jesus. For their actions were evil. 
All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. And I think we made reference to that a couple weeks ago when we were talking about how many remember those people that liked you better when you were a sinner than when you became a Christian? Because why? When you get around light, it exposes the evil within you. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. Okay, I've talked enough. Yeah, but I should at least tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. This is Mitchell Hunter. Hey, morning. He's a young man that has come to Windsor Christian Fellowship for quite a while now. Yeah, 25 years, a while now. <laughs> he was born here. <laughs> I slept here While a few I've nights. spent 80% of my life around this place, he spent 100% of his life yeah. here. But uh, Mitch has come on as the um, Youth and Young Adults Director for Windsor Christian Fellowship. Um, not the executive director like his mom oh, is over across the don't way. Don't start that just, this just, morning. Just wanted to qualify that a little bit. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let him talk for a bit. Yeah, my mom just started at the Windsor Life Center, if you guys know what that is. Yeah? Yes? Everyone knows? She, she holds that over my head all the time. She, at home, it's like a constant battle. She's like, know your place. Like, you're the director, but I'm the executive director. So I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be like that now. All right, you know, I'll just show her more love. Be more the kingdom of light, right? Amen? Yeah? Y'all with she me? She can just say, I'm mom and your son. That's, uh, that's it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trump card right there. <laughs> but good morning, guys. It is a privilege to be able to speak to you. I just wanted to first acknowledge Pastor RJ and Mary. They're just amazing and phenomenal. If you guys don't know them yet, get to know them get to know their heart because they love each and every one of you so much. And I just want to start by saying thank you for trusting me with the younger generation because that's huge, man. I just appreciate that so much because this younger generation, let me tell you, man, I have a passion to see youth and young adults sold out for Jesus. Do you believe that? You have a passion to see youth and young adults sold out for Jesus, man? is I believe the enemy is trying to wipe out the younger generation hard. Like, it's crazy. Like, he is working overtime, if you know what I mean. Like, it is crazy what the devil is doing in the minds of the younger. He's trying to silence their voice because he knows the power that lives on the inside of them. Man. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of the kingdom of darkness plaguing the younger generation. Like, it is enough. Like, is anyone at that point? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Enough is enough. If we don't stand up now, when? Right? Like, the time is right here, right now, the present. This is it. And man, this is serious. Like, the devil has been stealing, killing, and destroying for too long. So who's with me to intercede on the behalf of the young people? Who's in this church? You guys believe in the younger generation? Do you want to see them raise up in truth and walk in their calling? Yeah? Amen? I'm bringing another fireside. I don't know if you're ready for that, but <laughs> good morning, church. <laughs> um, but no, we are excited. I just want to give a little bit of, I've grown up in church my whole life. I've not lived a perfect life, but I'm always striving to be more like Christ every day. I mean, I remember being really tested in my teenage years because I played a lot of sports it was not always around the best influences. If you guys know the sports kind of area, you can go down some rough paths. And it was especially difficult in my early years of playing soccer for St. Clair College. 
There are so many opportunities to fail. The, the devil sets so many traps. You know, I stumbled at times, but it's so cool because I never fell because God was upholding me the whole time. He was always there through it all. And I saw him each step of the journey. So I just wanted to say, guys, I look forward to connecting with the youth and the young adults. I'm excited for this journey and what it looks like. God has been giving me a vision of where we're going, and I'm excited to share it with the youth and young adults. I'm excited for where we are going, but I know we need everyone's support. I need all the brothers and sisters to stand up and rise up with me because this fight is not my own. We all have to do this as a body, in unity, as a family. You guys with me? Yeah? Amen? All right, so I'm excited, though, to connect the youth and young adults and be a bridge to help them foster a relationship with Jesus. And I just wanted to give out a shout-out first to, to the amazing leaders that helped to run youth and young adults. You guys are phenomenal people. You guys are amazing. Thank you for making it, it what it is today, and thank you for pouring your hearts out to all the youth and young adults. It is so key. What you guys do is just like, I can't put it into words because you guys are the real deal. You guys are the ones that are helping to set the captives free. So thank you. Can we give a shout out to our leaders in the church, yeah? Amen. I believe God is taking the youth and young adults to new heights, and I'm super excited about it. And I also wanted to quick, before we move on, this is a quick, I don't know if he was ready for this, but today... I just want to know that I am in a relationship, a committed relationship with a beautiful young lady, amazing Lauren Berg. I know she's blushing in the back right there, but I just want everyone to know that, and I wanted to know too that she helps to keep me in line and keep me accountable. So it is amazing. I don't know if you've heard her sing before, but she's incredible. She's going to kill me later, but quick plug in. Thanks, Lauren. This is good. <laughs> the, uh, that was interesting that her parents were the ones that read scripture today. I want to talk to you just briefly about um, a few verses. Let me, let me read them and then we'll get to my, my concept here. Romans 14, verse 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. That means you and I have to stand before God one day and answer for everything we did, everything we said, and every thought we let go unchecked. Some of you are more excited about that than others. <laughs> James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In Proverbs 27.17, and I'm going to aim this at the men, not because they're any better or worse than women, but this is aimed for men. It says, iron, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Amen. Gentlemen, in relationship, you will find there is times that you don't always agree on things. You will find that there is times when someone is speaking into an area of weakness inside of your life. In those moments, it's the rough places hitting the rough places, but at the end of the day, you end up with a sharper blade. Proverbs 12:15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So, this concept of accountability, where not only are we accountable to God, we're accountable to each other for the things that we do, the things that we say, the actions that we have. You know, as children of light, if we're in the kingdom of light, we want to live in the light. That means we don't want to do anything in secret. 
We don't want to be Christians who say, yes, bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, on Sunday. And amen, hallelujah, brother. But then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we don't live like a Christian at all. We don't want to be that kind of Christian. We want to live in the light. We want to be transparent that way. So, you know, my wife and I, we hold each other accountable in life, but we both have other people that speak into our humanity because how many know all of us have humanity? Is there anyone that doesn't have any humanity? You're above sin? Oh, good. I can continue teaching that. I don't need someone else. It's going to be no sin. Okay, you teach. <laughs> but our attitudes, our actions, even our thought processes are subject to accountability. So we have to, we have, to have those conversations. And how many know when you confront someone with something that is uncomfortable and they're not happy about, it, that, that always goes over um, really good, doesn't it? Especially husbands and wives. Anyone been married for more than five minutes? How many know in relationships, sometimes you have to have conversations with each other? You know, RJ, you were a little harsh with the kids there. Yeah, probably. Guess I'll have to uh, change that for next time, won't I? Isn't, isn't that part of the process where iron sharpens iron, where, where, where we go through and we get better when people tell us, hey, you can get better here. Guard your heart. Don't take offense. Don't take someone else's offense. You know, um, some of you would be familiar with concepts like AA or NA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. We in the church, we have Celebrate Recovery, which I think is kind of a, a more of a little bit Christ-centered version of that. But, you know, you get a sponsor, don't you? Why do you get a sponsor? Accountability. And, and the truth is, if you don't have anyone speaking into your life, then, then how do you know if you're living as you should? I'm of the belief that everyone needs people speaking into their life, multiple streams of people. But when we come to the place where we think we're above having people speak into our life, then I think we have to be careful. That puts you in a dangerous spot. Multiple levels, multiple streams are going to help you in the struggle. When you have multiple people that can speak in, it says the multitude of counsel is much wisdom. All right, Mitch is going to come and talk to you a little bit about the battle going on inside your head. Yeah. <laughs> There's a war going on in there, isn't there? There is. It's serious. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real battle. <laughs> so I think first, before I, like, I go anywhere with this, I think we need to realize who we are fighting against. See, a lot of times we're fighting an enemy we don't even know. You know what I mean? Has anyone been there? Has anyone wake up and just start getting attacked, but they don't know who they're fighting? They don't know the truth, how to defend themselves, because they don't know who they're fighting against. And a lot of times it's in those little battles. It's like, it reminds me of like going into a room or a grocery store, I'll say a grocery store. You go into the grocery store, and in your mind, you have all this list of things you want. Then you get in there, and you completely blank on like what you w wanted. And you just start grabbing chips and all this stuff, and you go home. No, no one's ever been there, right? So then you come home with everything that you didn't plan on getting, right? Right? You get attacked, you get everything, you, and then you get in trouble later. No, no one's been there? All right. So, you know what? We need to be prepared when we're going in. We need to know what we're walking into the store for, right? Yeah? You need to know. You need to get ready and prepared. It all starts with the mind. 
But Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to know who we are fighting against. You are taken out of the battle if you have no idea what is going on. You already lost. Because you have no idea who you are fighting against. Jesus conquered all. But if you don't understand the truth of who he is and the sacrifice that he made, it means nothing. Amen? Amen? So the devil has been playing mind games since the beginning of Adam and Eve. He deceived Eve in the garden and Adam. He deceived them all. So what makes us exempt, right? What makes us exempt today? Because he was doing it from the start and he continues to do it because he realizes if he can just throw this one thought, hey, like, why did God say not to eat that fruit? Why did he say that? Do you know you can be more powerful? You can be stronger? You can be like a God? You know what? Do we ever have those thoughts that come in our mind and invade our mind and try to take us out? We have to bring our thoughts into alignment with the Word of God. Right? We have to capture every thought. Like 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Wow, I don't know about you, but you look at that phrase, taking every thought captive. That means there is a clear battle for the mind. The enemy knows if he can conquer your mind, it's all over. He's taking you out. Because the mind is a powerful weapon and people are so oblivious to the impact their thoughts have on their life. We all have thoughts that race through our head each day, right? Absolutely. It's up to us to decide. If <laughs> right we, now. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to us so if we decide if we will embrace the ones that line up with the Word of God or the ones that are sent from the enemy. Right? If you feel like your thoughts are trying to steal, kill, or destroy from your life, I'll say that again. If you feel like your thoughts are trying to steal, kill, or destroy from your life, then you need to speak the word and bring those thoughts into alignment with the truth. And if we want to know who the truth is, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And then the pro I feel like a big problem today in society that just has us looking for answers in the wrong places is social media. Oh, I, I, that was allowed. You guys were ready for that one. You're like, amen. <laughs> Social media has been attacking. I was talking to a friend last week. He was telling me the stats about articles and that seven out of eight articles are actually wrong. Stats were showing. 99% of all statistics, yeah. too. And seven out of eight. So what you are reading... <laughs> so bad. <laughs> What you are reading on the internet, on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever platform you use, what is truth nowadays? Because we're finding there's a man-made truth and there's actually a biblical truth, right? And who are we listening to? There's so many articles that will try to pull at you and they'll try to get you distracted from the truth. But we need to center our lives around Christ, amen? Because there is so much confusion going on. And we need to realize our weapon, right? If we do not know the Word of God, we are open to t targets to fear, depression, anxiety, stress, and easily influenced by other spirits. See, the Word of God is our armor. Like it says in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 17. How much time are you spending putting on your armor? 
Do you wake up each day ready and prepared for what is going to happen? Because the devil comes when you least expect it. In your weakest area, he steps in and says, you can't do this. Man, you're not enough. You're not worthy. Man, you're never going to make it. Might as well stop now. And when you least expect it, that's when he attacks you with those thoughts. And so when you dwell on those thoughts and you don't take them captive and say, hey, what does the word say? I am a child of God. I've been set free by the blood of Christ. Right? Amen? So we have to put on the armor of God daily and stand guard because the devil is prowling around to seek who he can devour. He was always looking. And Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow. To renew our minds, we need to be meditating on Scripture day and night. It's not a one-time thing where you just like, beginning of the week, Monday comes, you open your Bible app, your Bible, whatever you do, and just sit there and you're like, oh man, I'm good for the year now. Man, you know what? I think I got my feeling. Like it is, I'm good now. Pastor RJ, I got all my feeling. I think God's, you know, he's strengthening me for this whole year. I think next year I'll come back. Maybe I'll open up another book. That's no. like eating breakfast today and saying, I'm good for the year. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? Each and every moment. See, the devil attacks us when we are not in alignment with the word of God, when we are not meditating on scriptures and they are stemming and flowing out of us. That gives room for the devil to come knocking on your door. And Hebrews, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is our power. It is our sword. I don't know who needs to realize that today. If you are battling, I feel like a lot of people in this room are getting a sense of fear, anxiety, depression, stress. There's a lot of things that are on your mind, even as you're listening to this service. And the devil has come to steal and take you out. He's come to make you feel like, hey, you know what? You're the only one who suffers with this. You're all by yourself. You're isolated. There's no one else. This is just you. You should feel horrible. You should be caught up in guilt and shame because you know what? You did it to yourself. It's who you are. And if we don't refute those lies, if we don't refute them with the truth of what the Word says, if we don't have the Word in our hearts, then we're taken out. Then He's going to wipe you out and He's going to twist your identity until you don't even realize who you are anymore. So we need to know the Word. We need to know who we are in Christ so we can stand up against His attacks. Amen? You know, thinking about that with social media, it can be a great tool, but it can be a great distraction. And the key is learning to live within limits and boundaries, and accountability will help you with this. So I just sat down with a friend the other day, and I was teaching him because, you know, I have four daughters, and, and they have screen time, which means we only allow them so much time on their, their apps per day. Nobody has screen time, Dad. And as I talk to more people, they're like, there's a, there's a function in there where I can control how much time my kids have on social media? Sign me up. Because see, as parents, we know what's best for our children, don't we? Or we think we do. But we want to help them to become the best possible version of themselves. 
Uh, there is a real assault, though, against Christianity on some of the platforms. Uh, I've been noticing that the Bible is being fact-checked now um, as, as not true <laughs> or only partially true. Um, so for those of you that are streaming, you may see we're going to be changing the way that we distribute some of the information because uh, the last thing we really want to see happen is them fact-checking the Word of God, which is the only source of truth for our, our life. Um, Anyway, interesting enough, picking up there, I started in John 3 earlier, and uh, picking up in verse 22, because I left off at 21, then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went to the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time there with them there, baptizing people. And uh, we know that Jesus was the rabbi, the teacher, and he had his disciples, so Jesus would call people, you know, to come to him and to come to God, and then his disciples would take them into the water and baptize them. Uh, in Matthew 28, in verse 19 and 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we know that Jesus actually commanded us uh, to go and make disciples. He commanded us to baptize people in water. And uh, so from studying baptism, we have this understanding that it's associated with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, and what happens is we as Christians, we come to God and He takes our heart that is dead and He makes it alive. He takes our life of sin and He gives us forgiveness and freedom and life and light. And when you go into the waters of baptism, we take people right under, just like Jesus was buried, right underground. I mean, they didn't bury him except for his hand. How many know that? When you bury someone, you don't sprinkle them with dirt. Okay, so we baptize them in water, fully under, signifying that you've been buried with Christ. Then you come up to new life. You become alive again. You get the new start. You get the fresh start. When I was praying on this, I was looking at a couple things, and I, I threw this in for someone, <laughs> the intellectual type that studies stuff. All through the New Testament, the disciples baptized people. We see this all through the book of Acts, including Philip in, in Acts chapter 8, you know. And then a little bit later, you see him baptize the Ethiopian eunuch. And people get caught up on things that are not essential. Did everyone hear me say that? People dispute and, and debate on things and fight over things, and they get in division over things that aren't really that important in the end, okay? But what is important is the integrity of the Word of God. I think that's really important. Uh, one of the things that I spent a lot of time in was textual criticism where we study the ancient documents or, or when you look at the original language that the Bible is written in. So for all of you and me here today, most of us are reading um, English translations of Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, or Latin. You know that, right? If you didn't. They didn't write the Bible in English. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so if you've ever translated from one language to another, I mean, my kids and I go back and forth on this all the time with some of these abbreviations today. I'm like, what does that one mean? <laughs> And uh, my favorite is the 143. Does no one know what that means? No. For real? No. Right. Yes, thank you. 
Someone, someone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, thank you. Angie knows. <laughs> There's four letters in the word love and three in the word you, and one in, so one, four, three is one of the new abbreviations for I love you. My wife and I just say I love you. It's easier. Because when you have to explain it, it loses something. Amen. But see, we can get very easily confused with translation from one language that someone speaks to another language. In Acts 8, there's a lot of debate and dispute because Acts 8.37 is left out with some of the newer translations. And they say, oh, they're taking away from the Word of God. If you study the textual criticism, really what happens is they didn't have printing presses and photocopiers and, and things like we do today. They used to manually copy manuscripts. In some cases, the person who was the scribe or the copier would add some thoughts for clarity to further explain. But they're translating, right? So they would kind of add something to do to make it clearer. There's a, there's a case of that in 1 John. You know, a classic example of that is in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus and they say, you know, and Jesus says, I am, and he reveals the covenant name of God, and they all fall on their faces because the glory of God is revealed. But some of the translators, to clarify, they put he in italics. So they added that word he. He didn't really say I am he, he just said I am, and he used the name of God. Did everyone follow me on that? So it looks like in Acts 8.37, it's left out of some of the modern translations because it's not in all the original older manuscripts. It's only in some of the newer ones. So somewhere along the way, a scribe added that one line about um, his belief in Jesus for um, clarity, even though we can still prove that in other places in the New Testament. So it doesn't really change the doctrine, it just changes when people want to dispute over one thing. Did everyone catch that? I can still teach all the New Testament doctrines from scriptures that were in the original manuscripts, and I can say, oh, it looks like a scribe was trying to clarify something there, so a lot of them will put a little asterisk and say, some translations say this, but that's all, that's all that that is. Don't get caught up on that stuff. It's not going to take away from the heart of the message. But baptism, it represents cleansing from a life of sin. It identifies us with Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's a step on our journey with God. Baptism is not the end all. You don't get baptized and then you're good. You get baptized because you want to throw off the past life and you want to start identifying yourself with Christ in the new life that he's given you. And then we have to be obedient, as it said at the end of Matthew 28. Remember teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded? So baptism is just one step. You don't get baptized and that's it. You get baptized and then you stay in the process of sanctification where God's continuing to work in your heart and continuing to work in your life. And, you know, your accountability friends come to you and say, hey, let me show you a more excellent way, and iron sharpens iron, and we continue on in the, in the path. Stand up with me for a second. So we know that Christ followers, people that have professed faith in Christ first, okay, people that become Christians are qualified to be baptized in water first. So there's this repentance from sin, that puts us into the kingdom of God. And that's really what saves us is our profession of faith in Jesus and his work at the cross. Baptism won't save you. Baptism will help you get a clean conscience. Baptism will help you make a disconnect from the life of sin. And I think that there's a lot of people that struggle with condemnation and shame and guilt after salvation. They've repented of sin, but they still, the enemy throws all kinds of things in their mind and they lose that battle in their mind. 
they go back to the guilt. They go back to the shame. And the enemy says, oh, remember when you did this? Well, the truth is, if you've repented of that, it's under the blood. It's under the water. And you leave it in the tank at baptism, and then you move on to new life with Christ. We doing okay? So first we repent of sin. Then, because we want to express outwardly as a testimony to the world system what God has done in our heart, we get baptized in water. Why? Because it signifies that God has changed my heart and given me a new life. And then we get baptized to signify physically that, okay, look, I'm going to go in the water and I'm going to let my old life die. I'm going to come up from the water and I'm going to rise to new life with Christ, just like what happened in my heart when Jesus walked in. And then it's a testimony of God's goodness and His righteousness inside of our lives. Do you have anything you want to add to that? You said it all right there. We're doing okay? It is a personal, you're making a commitment at that point. It is not the salvation. I think that's what needs to be stressed. Yeah. Because people do have that mindset, hey, this is going to get me saved. It's not the salvation. It's a public declaration of your faith. Absolutely. So, we have a question for you today. If you've professed faith in Christ, but you've never been baptized in water, we have a tank full of water and a change of clothes, and we have some people in the back that are all socially distanced and stuff. <laughs> But I'm going to ask you to walk out of your chairs and come down to the front, and we'll get you baptized. So I want to invite you to come on down. Come on down. It's okay. Don't be shy. Come on down. Congratulations to all of you. Come on down. Is there anyone else? You know you want to get baptized. You want to make that clean break from the past life. Come on down. Do it today. Is there anyone else you're kind of hanging out going, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if I'm supposed to. Today's a great day to get baptized. I won't be doing it later today. We're going to do it right now. Amen. <laughs> Let's reach our hands out. Father, we bless these young men and women as they come forth today and they've made a great stand for you. And Father, I thank you that you're going to meet them right where they're at and that their lives will be changed forever today as a result of their faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Congratulations to all of you. If you just follow with this young couple, Rick and Brianne, they'll take you to the back and we'll get you all set up. Well, while you guys are all still standing, so it's going to take them a couple of minutes to kind of go through um, some teaching and training. So if you're a family or a friend of them, if you hang out for a few minutes, you can go back there in a minute, and then you can watch them get baptized if you want to at that time. Rick, take them out the, the side. It might be better. Yeah, sorry. There's a lot of people to go that way. Um, communion, let's, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. Joining us? Congratulations. Father, I thank you that your kingdom is here on earth and that you've placed your hope and your light within us. So today, as we, your people, look to you, our source of hope, our source of strength, our source of truth. Lord, we look to your word, and I thank you that it is true and it has the power to change our lives.
So I thank you that as we look to your word and we look to you today, that you're transforming us so that we can reflect your glory. Lord, we know the sun creates light, the moon reflects it. Lord, you create life. We can be reflectors of it as we experience the fullness of all that you have for us. So let us be reflectors today of you. In the name of Jesus. We just thank you, God, today. We just thank you for your blood, Jesus, that was spilt on Calvary over 2,000 years ago. God, we just thank you for the sacrifice that was made and what that meant. God, we just thank you that it wasn't only that Jesus came just to forgive us, but to set us free. And I just thank you, God, that you are Lord. And I just pray that everyone in the sound of my voice today would realize the truth of the power that lives on the inside of them. That when they accept Christ into their heart, they are no longer the same. The old man has gone and the new has come. So God, I thank you today that fear, anxiety, depression, and stress, there's no place in you. When we're in a relationship with you, God, you set us free, completely free. And I just thank you that you're renewing our minds and you are waking us up to the the reality of the battle that is going on daily, that though you've overcome, that we need to take a stand each and every day. So I pray that God, this, this moment today, as we reflect on the kingdom of light and darkness in both very real kingdoms, that God, we would know the master that we are serving, that we would focus on you and your face, God, and the significance of the cross and what the blood means for each and every one of us. God, I just thank you that you're in the business of changing and healing hearts. And God, we need to move today. We don't want to leave the same way that we came in, God. We want to be transformed from the inside out. So I just thank you that as we take this cup, God, that you are just bringing renewal, refreshing. You're bringing clarity and truth to each and every mind that is in this building. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this is the time when we receive tithes and offerings. And I thank you, Windsor Christian Fellowship, for your faithfulness in this area, for joyful givers, for people that listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. Um, They have ways to do that online. We have ways to do that through text. We have ways to do that at the back. There's uh, a bucket that you can do that with. And uh, God always takes care of his people, and I believe that he gives seed to the sower. So I'd like to pray for all of you right now. Father, I thank you for the great opportunity to sow into your kingdom. Lord, and as men and women give of their substance, I thank you that your favor and blessing is upon them. As your word says, you rebuke the devourer from their life, and you open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing we cannot contain. Lord, you go before us. I thank you, Lord, that you're helping us in every aspect of our life. And Lord, as they go today, back out into the culture, back out in the world, I thank you that Micah 7, 8 says, do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. So Lord, I thank you that you are our light and you light our path. 
you illuminate the way for us and that you make a way for us no matter what we're facing, mind, body, or spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an awesome week, everyone. Thank you all for coming today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.